For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father, we just thank you for your word, that it's living, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's able to pierce our souls that it's able to bring transformation, that it's able to cut off those things that need to be cut off and bring life to those things that need life. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive and forevermore and that we can stand on your truth. Lord, I pray your word brings a transformation into our lives that you will make us more like you, more like you, more like you, in Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to continue on in chapter 6, and I know I, I, you might feel like I'm kind of dragging out Galatians. I've enjoyed the book, and so I, I really want to just dissect the last chapter. What I want us to understand as we go into today's sermon, that once again, after the Apostle Paul was thoroughly teaching the lesson of salvation through faith in Christ alone for four chapters. I want you to understand this. For four chapters, and in his letter, the majority of his letter was trying to get Christians who professed Christ to understand this one principle, that you have salvation through Christ alone. Nothing else you don't need to do anything else. There's nothing you can do on your own, but have faith in Jesus Christ. And so he pounds this message into the churches of Galatia for four chapters. And then he gets to chapter five. And whether you remember it or not, I talked about how Jesus began to turn the message into something a little bit more personable. And he began to talk to them about what Jesus did for them was to set them free. And he, he talked about Jesus died on the cross, right? And then he died and was resurrected in order to give you freedom. And that in that freedom, you still have the choice to either sow into the flesh, the lust of the flesh is, was, is what was described in chapter 5, or what else was described in chapter 5 was the fruit of the Spirit. And so this theme that he started in chapter 5 carries into chapter 6. Now, two weeks ago, the last time I preached, I was talking about how spiritual growth is a group project. And we had four RBs. Restore the broken. Those are people who struggle with sin in their life. Relieve the burdened. Those are people who just have a lot of burden upon them that they cannot handle that burden on their own. Then you have repent of bragging. 
That's people who in the church think that they're a little more higher than others. You think more highly of yourself. You don't have those same struggles. You don't have those same burdens. That's not how you would have handled that. There's a different way to handle that. This is how I would do that. And then you're constantly reaching out and helping other people. And if you're not cautious, you get a big head because you start to think that, that you're better than everybody else. And so it's repenting of the bragging. And then finally, the respecting of your boundaries. That's knowing what is my load and what is somebody else's load to carry because we each carry our own load. That's what the Bible says. And so I want to take that last part and bring it into today's verses. The reason why I started that is, is it helps us move forward into what he begins to talk about in verse six. One of the last thoughts that we had from that chapter was that you have got to know the difference between a boulder and a backpack. They're two different loads. There's a giant boulder, that's one another's burdens, and then there's carrying your own load, which is the idea of carrying a backpack. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of people in our church with brokenness from sin, and there's a lot of people in our church that are carrying some heavy burdens. I could literally, I've said this time and again, and I wish we just had opportunity to get to know each other better. Go around the room and probably have people share what's going on in their lives right now, and you would be shocked. It's not what it is on the surface. People are constantly carrying things in their life, and we're called to help bear those things. But the challenge is that we've got to know what God has called us to carry and how much of it that we can see that God has called somebody else to carry on their own. And if it's too heavy, we help them carry that burden. The idea behind that is that none of us are called to carry all of the burdens. That's why we are the body of Christ. And that's where you have to know what burden Jesus has called you to carry. You have to know how he has called you to carry that burden because you might carry it differently than somebody else. And he needs to, you need to know who he is calling you to carry burdens for. You know that like we help wherever there's need or we see need, but I believe that God's put certain burdens on people's shoulders and he calls certain people to a certain issue to a certain burden that, that they can see, that they recognize, that they have experience in, that they're, they're experts in to be able to minister God's word to those persons and those individuals. You have the Mother Teresas of the world. You have the Billy Grahams of the world. Two completely, they're both ministering. They're both carrying the backpack of Jesus. They know who they were called to, and they carry it differently than somebody else might carry it. You might even have the Billy Graham, and then you have the Billy Sunday, or you have whoever else that was evangelistic and they carry their backpacks different than each other and that's okay you have to know how God has called you to carry your backpack and so what we see in the in the first few chapters is it's about salvation through Jesus Christ it's about growing spiritually it's about growing in the fruit of the spirit it's about you but in chapter 5, he, he makes this transition that this is no longer about just you, you and your relationship to Jesus. But then he began to address in the first few chapters of chapter 6 the what. 
What are you called to do? As soon as you receive Jesus Christ into your life, there is a what involved. And he explains that it's about ministering to others. As soon as you get saved, it becomes a responsibility for you to start ministering the good news to others. As soon as you get saved. Here's what I don't think we realize sometimes, because it can look super messy at times, is that as soon as you recognize who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you, it should be so great of a recognition because you knew who you were that you are excited to share that with other people. That's the burden that he's placed upon my shoulders. That's the what. I want you to also hear this. It's not an option. Paul described that in the first few verses. It's called the law of love. The law of Christ. It's the burden of Jesus. It's your backpack. You know that as soon as you get saved, Jesus, when you say those words, Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, he cloaks you with something. He's now put a backpack on my shoulders. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so what is this backpack? The first thing he reminds me of is that this world is no longer my home. See, when I was in the world, I was thinking that the world is my home and I was focused on my home and my kingdom and my ways and what I was going to do in my life. But as soon as I received Jesus, he says, you know what? This world, one thing you got to understand is no longer your home. You're but a pilgrim that is traveling through. And I want you to understand not only is it no longer your home, but now you're on an adventure. And on that adventure called life that is going to eventually get you to me, that there are things that I will have called you to do. And one of those things is to share what I've done with you. And so he gives us this backpack. And inside of this backpack, we have seed and water. Where in the world does the seed come from? The seed comes from what Jesus has done in my life. Guess what I start casting around? You know what? If you knew who I once was, you would understand. This is what Jesus did in my life. Oh, yeah, you're struggling with that? I've struggled with that, too. Here's how Jesus helped me overcome. The seed that we get is the recognition of what Jesus has done for me. And then Jesus, recognizing that, gives me the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ produces thoughts that produce seeds that come out of my mouth. He gives you a backpack. And it's out of this backpack that you are commanded to minister from. And so in today's words, what we're going to see is the how we're to carry the backpack and who we're carrying the backpack for. In verse 7, number 1, how do I use my backpack? Paul writes these words, do not be deceived. Everybody say deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And you might be wondering, what in the world does this verse have to do with a backpack? It's not necessarily about the backpack, the burden that Jesus has placed upon my shoulders, but it's about what's inside of the backpack. 
It's about the seed that's in the backpack. It's about the water that's in the backpack. It's about the idea of what we're going to do with what's inside of the backpack. Now, Paul has this name for this. It's a divinely established law that God has has done. It's known by different names. God originated it. It gets hijacked by other people. Hindus and Buddhists, what do they call it? Karma. Those who are New Agers, they might know it by the seventh sub-law of the law of attraction called universal influence, if you've ever heard of the book The Secret or the movie New Age. But God's word calls it the law of sowing and reaping, of seed time and harvest. You will reap what you sow. That's the principle. Guess what? It's a law. It's a neutral law, in fact. Like, it's going to happen. This is the law that was established. How it happens is up to you. That's the cool thing about it. That law you can see in the natural, right? From farming and gardening to all sorts of different aspects of life where we, we sow and we reap from those things. You can see it soulishly, right? The Bible says, sow a soft word to turn away. Why did the wrath get turned away? Because you sowed a soft word. And that soft word allowed you to reap something other than what was coming for you. You know, a smile gets you smiles. You might say, that's not true. I smile at somebody and they didn't smile back at me. You ever watch Art walk around the Silver Valley? Art Hilton back there? He smiles and waves at everybody and guess what? Everybody smiles and waves back. Why? Because he's just sowed that seed day after day, hour after hour, whenever he's walking around, whether he knows people or doesn't know people, people know him by his wave and his smile. Eventually, it'll come back to you. You sow kindness, you will reap kindness. It's in the spiritual. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes these words, For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I want you to understand that Paul's expounding upon the previous verse, verse 7, where he said, don't be deceived. That word is, don't be misled. Don't let somebody lie to you. Don't lie to yourself. God won't be mocked. We sang it in the song. We said that even though we don't see it, we still believe it. Why do we still believe it? Because it's God's word, because it's God's promise, because it's God's law that has been established. But what happens, we allow people to lie to us, and we'll even lie to ourselves based upon what we see or what we don't see. But God wants us to understand that he won't be mocked. If he said it, he'll do it. If he's established it, it will come to pass. For better or worse, you will reap what you sow in life. And so Paul breaks it down to two types of sowing. There's the sowing of the flesh. What is that? That's relating back to chapter 5 where he gave us the works of the flesh. What did he say in chapter 5, verses 19 through 21? He gives this list that's the works of the flesh. He says adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lewdness and idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions and jealousies and outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions and dissensions and heresies and envy and murders and drunkenness and revelries. Like that's a pretty big list, isn't it? 
It probably covers a lot of things that we struggle with in life. But he didn't end the list with a period. He said, and the like. Everybody say, and the like. What is and the like? What is Paul describing? He's essentially describing a person who chooses themselves over anything spiritual. And so the works of the flesh, the the seeds that we sow to the flesh, aren't necessarily just those sins that were listed, but they can be legalism. They can be religious spirits because that's what he's been battling through the first four chapters is those who are religious. No, we can do it. We can do it our way. And that's the mentality. That's the idea that I think that I can do this in my own strength, in my own power, that I will build my own kingdom. That is sowing to the flesh. And what does it say? All that will get you is corruption. And if it isn't bad enough that you're doing those things, that we do those things, that we often will sow to the flesh, what's probably even worse is that we think we're getting away with it. Listen, what did I just say? Don't lie to yourself because you will lie to yourself and think you're getting away with it. You will make reasons and you will make up excuses. You will let other people lie to you because they're part of the world. They're like, it's okay. That's not a big deal. That's what people do. We're all human. Follow your heart. That's a bunch of crap. Anytime I see a Christian say, follow your heart, I think... Man, what don't you get? We can be guaranteed we're not getting away with anything. But we will often lie to ourselves. And in lying to ourselves, guess what we're doing? We are making a mockery of God. That's what you're doing. I think I'm getting away with it. I won't get caught. It's not that big of a deal. I I begin to lie and listen to other people's lies to me. And you know what that idea of mocking God is? Sticking your nose up at him. Yeah, I know. If if, If I don't see it, I'll still believe it. Is that really in sowing and reaping? You still believe that you're going to reap? Then why the heck are you sowing? What you're sowing? You don't believe God's word? You mock in God? Do you think that's a good thing toward God? Paul is trying to warn Christians. Just because you don't see the consequences of your sin right now, just because the stinky fruit of your selfish choices isn't visible right now, just know this, seeds take time to grow. The more bad you keep sowing, the more you eventually reap. And guess what? What do you reap? It says corruption. That doesn't sound like a good thing. You look at King David's life as an example. I want you guys to understand King David believed in God. He was passionate about God. He wanted to follow after God. King David, a man after God's own heart, Still known by that title today to show where his heart was pointed. But it did not mean that at times he didn't take a sidestep. 
You remember that from a couple weeks ago? He wasn't necessarily completely backslidden, but he was definitely sidestepping from God's narrow way. Going sideways for a while. And he chose to sin. And not only did he choose to sin, but his sin was in secret. And then he compounded that sin with other poor choices in life. Now listen, he repented. He got on his face. He changed his ways. But do not think for a second that he did not reap what he sowed in those secret moments. One of the things that happened from the very beginning, he commits adultery, sex outside of marriage. He has sex with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. There's a seed. Guess what happens to that seed? It dies. It crushed him. That was almost an immediate, within months, relatively that he would find out what he was reaping from what he had sown. But what you don't see is sometimes the seed that takes years to grow. That after that, he would have many children with wives, and he would have one of the most dysfunctional families in the kingdom of God ever. That he would have his kids fighting with each other. He would have them having incest with each other. He would have one brother, because of that, kill the other brother. He would have one son that would rebel, and many of his kids rebelled against him, and he would have that son rebel and want to kill him. He would have that son uh, publicly humiliate him and have sex with all of his wives in front of everybody. Don't tell me that he wasn't reaping what he had sowed. Because he had sex with somebody else's wife in the very beginning. Listen. His life was a mess. Does that mean he wasn't blessed? Yeah, he had the blessings in his life. Does that mean that he wasn't forgiven? No, he was forgiven. Does that mean that he still didn't have a heart after God? No, he still had a heart after God. That's why it's in God's word, and we can look upon his passion through the Psalms that he had written. But guess what? There was no getting away with his secret sin, with sowing to the flesh. God will not be mocked. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean you shouldn't believe it. He repented, and God forgave him. Hear that. But he still reaped what he sowed. We will still suffer the consequences of our sins. Now, Paul goes on, and he wants us to understand the same principle. This is the good side. Now you guys can cheer. About what it means to sow to the Spirit. On the flip side, Paul is saying, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. 
If you're out there and you're sowing good seed from your backpack and you come across opportunities to minister to somebody, you reach in there and you're sowing that good seed and you're sowing water and seed and you're doing the things that you should be doing and you're walking that narrow path because you know this is not your home and you've been called but to one thing, to build God's kingdom on this earth. One thing but to build God's kingdom on this earth. And you're out there sowing God's seed. God wants you to know he won't be mocked. That you will reap what you sow. But here's the challenge. When you've been sowing seed and you keep doing good, that you don't grow weary. Because that's what it says in verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we do not lose heart. Listen, God's given you this backpack to carry. It's not designed. You see this backpack? This is a perfect example of the backpack that God's given us. It's not designed to carry a heavy load. This is the backpack that I use when I go riding on long rides. This is the backpack that I use when we're just going for, you know, short hikes for the day. It's not designed to carry a heavy load. The backpack that Jesus gives us isn't designed to carry a heavy load. So when your ministry backpack, the burden that God has placed upon your shoulders becomes too heavy, too great of a burden for you to carry, then there's a problem. And that problem isn't with God. More than likely, that problem is your problem. Because Jesus said, right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a fact. That's God's word. So what could be the problem? It's when we've taken on either too much. Too much. That's one issue. The other issue is when we have too great of an expectation. Now listen, not an expectation of God, but when we have too great of an expectation on ourselves, because we think we can do it, or quite possibly we have too great of an expectation on other people, because we think they should be doing it. Too much or too much expectation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, the Apostle Paul would write these words, to the church there when he says about those who were going for Apollo and different preachers, he says, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters. What's he talking about? There'll be some people who are Christians who will sow seed, some who will water. Neither either of those is anything. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're nothing? Does that mean that what you do is, is worth nothing to God? No, it means that, that in doing that, it shouldn't be anything to us. Don't miss this. doesn't mean that God looks at us as worthless or our works as, as worthless, what he's called us to do. No, there's rewards for our works, and he calls us his masterpiece. So what he means is it really shouldn't be anything but only God gives the growth. Now the one who is planting and the one who's watering are one in purpose. 
and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. What's he describing? He's describing seed and water. Seed and water. Seed and water. Doesn't sound that difficult, does it? Really? It, it, it's not anything. It's not a heavy backpack. It's not meant to carry a heavy load. Seed isn't that heavy. And the little bit of water that's in here isn't that great. And it can be replenished, right? Because it's never-ending source. All he's asked me to do is carry the seed and the water. It's not really anything. And so what is the seed representative of? Seed is almost always representative of the world. And so, as I've already described, can you guys somehow reach in my front pocket right here? And so, what do I got? Seed. What is seed? As I'm reaching in my backpack for every opportunity that takes its place, I reach back there and I find somebody that needs Jesus in their life. They need, and maybe they have Jesus, but they need healing in their life. So I reach in my backpack and I'm spreading. What am I spreading? What is the seed? It's always representative of God's word. But listen, it's the aspect of God's word that we need to figure out that needs to be delivered. Because sometimes that's God's written word. Sometimes people need to know the Bible and what it says. People need to hear the truth of what God has already written. And so I'm spreading God's word that's been written. Or possibly it's a now word from God. If you're new here, this is what separates somebody who's charismatic Pentecostal and believes the fullness of the Bible versus those who are Calvinists and thinks that God's word has ended. God still speaks today. And so sometimes people need a now word from the Lord. And so God will give that now word and I'm spreading that seed of God's now word. But also I got to remember this. The other aspect of God's word is God's word through my life. What does that look like? That looks like my own words. That's my story. That's what God has done in my life. And so I'm casting out seed every good opportunity that I have. Whenever I see an opportunity, I'm spreading that seed. That's God's word. You know, that sowing to the flesh, that's not in the backpack of Jesus. That's when I pull the green bag of grass out of my pocket. Right, I got my own seed. Is it possible to sow your seed and God's seed? Actually, yes. I'm going to reap both, and that's where we get confused sometimes. And I hear Christians complaining, why do I do good things and God never seems to help me out? Well, the truth is, Jack, you've been sowing other seeds in the meantime. And you probably sowed a lot of seed in the past. And you've got to know that you're still going to reap from the seed that you're sowing on both sides of the fence. The seed always represents the word. Sometimes I can speak God's word and other times it's not supposed to be, but what comes out of my mouth is sour and bitter and I will reap the repercussions 
that seed doesn't come from the backpack because this is the burden of Jesus that he has placed upon my shoulders. It's sowing good season. And in due time, in God's time, he is telling us, he's encouraging us, you know what? You will see good fruit. But what happens is we don't see change fast enough. And so we start to get discouraged. And God wants you to know he's not going to be mocked. That's a good thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. He's not going to be mocked. Just trust him. Just believe in him. And that's why he would write in verse 9, listen, don't grow weary in doing this. The backpack isn't that heavy. These are the seeds of my word that are written, that are spoken now, and that are through your life. And in due season, you will reap unless you lose heart first. Seed and water, seed and water. It almost sounds too easy, doesn't it? In some ways, it should be. Ministering God's word shouldn't be hard. But anybody who's attempted to minister God's word to people over longer periods of time, they know the challenge of burning out, growing weary, and even losing heart. You have this temptation to become discouraged, to, to lose that heart. And these things happen when we take on either too much or we have too great of an expectation. Where am I at here? When it comes to, to too much, there's times when I've seen people feel like they have to pick up every need around them. Have you ever seen people like that? They got to be in the middle of everything, every need. We're going to get involved in it. They, they, they have to fulfill that need. And most often the reason why they're fulfilling that need is they're trying to fulfill a need in their own life. And then pretty quick, they're burned out and they're upset. Why? Because they feel like they're the only ones doing anything. But that's true. Why am I the only one doing anything? Well, it's quite possible because you think you need to be in charge of everything that you need to be involved in everything, that you need to be in control of everything. And so you think that you're the only one that's doing anything because you never give anybody else an opportunity to do something. And so you're always in the middle of it and you really haven't prayed about what it is that God has really called you to help with. The other problem is that people burn out uh, from sowing because they, they sow when they should be watering and they water when they should be sowing. And they're not seeing the results. You know what? Many times we miss what people need because we don't take the time to listen. And people will tell you what they need. But we're usually too busy to really listen to what it is they need. And so we make assumptions and judgments and we think we know what they need. And quite honestly, I'm too busy with my other 99 problems. And so I just throw out something that I think that they need and hope that that settles the, the issue because I don't really have time for your need. And so I look at your need as, you know, in kind of this half donkey way. Like, yeah, I know it's important here. Let me throw, throw you this, throw you a bone. And this is what I'm going to throw you. But because we haven't really prayed about what it is that God's called us to, we can't fully be the answer to anybody's prayer. 
we're either too busy or we're too inconvenienced. Because sometimes we get so caught up in, in our own comforts that we don't want to be inconvenienced to try and help somebody else out. Now, listen, I'm not the best at this at all. So I'm not proclaiming that I am. But I have learned one thing over the years. That if you listen to people, there are times where people need God's word. Because they don't have God's word in them. Because they need to be reminded of God's word. They need what has been written in their life. And so you give them God's word. But there's times where that seed of God's word is already in somebody. And if you listen to them, what their need is, is they don't need more seed thrown at them. They don't need more scriptures thrown at them. They don't need beat up and piled on with God's word. What they need is watered. Maybe there's something that's hardened the soil where the seed is. They need a little water on that soil. They need refreshing. They need to, that word needs to be renewed. That word needs to be stirred up. They need to be, that word needs to be encouraged in their life. And all you're called to do is to encourage the seed of God that is already inside of them. We don't water where someone needs to be seeded, and we don't seed where someone needs to be watered. Otherwise, we can grow weary, and we can lose heart. The other, act, the other thing is too much expectation. You know, it's interesting. The last time that I preached two weeks ago, uh, somebody came up to me after church, and they described, you know how hard it is. That's a really hard thing to do because when you keep trying to help somebody out and you keep trying to give them God's word, and you don't see any sort of change going on there in their lives, like it gets really frustrating. It's discouraging. You do burn out after a while. Like you don't want to do that sort of thing anymore. And guess what? That's probably one of the greatest challenges that every single Christian faces in life. I believe that it crushes people's purpose day after day, year after year. Because it can be frustrating, it can be tiring, it can be discouraging, it can be depressing. Because from the time that you plant that seed to the time that you see something visible can be a very long season. I think about God's promise to the Old Testament heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and you know what it said? It said that some of them never saw like the promise come to pass, but they remained faithful to the promise regardless. And there will become a question in your mind quite frequently, will anything I've done be fruitful? Have what I, is what I've done purposeful? Is there any fruit that comes out of that? Because once you plant it, then you have a season to wait. And there might be questions like, will it even take root? Right? Has anybody ever, like, given God's word to somebody, like, will that even take root into their life? You know, will it be stolen? Will it get choked out with the weeds of life that surrounds it, like Jesus's parable? Will it be healthy, or will it get diseased as it begins to sprout up? Will it grow fruit? And there's this growing frustration in our lives to see, to see, to see something visible in other people's lives, in the seeds that we have sown, in the ministry that we have done 
done. We usually get to this place where like, please God, show me some sort of change in this situation, in this person's life. And you start to wonder and question yourself, is it something that I did? Did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? Was it even God that called me to do it? Is, did, do I need to do something else? How can I help it grow? That's what you start wondering. How can I help it grow? Like all of a sudden, you've taken on this responsibility that you need to be the one that brings growth into people's lives. Probably one of the greatest reminders, most common reminders that God has given me over the years and continues to give me over you know, the last few years and will always probably give me is guess what? I'm not responsible for other people's growth. Pastor, you're not responsible for these people's growth. Does that sound like a shock to you? You, guess what? You're not responsible for other people's growth. That's where we get confused between seed and water is in our frustration of the season. We think that we should take on the responsibility of growth. And God is like, chill, my yoke is easy. Remember that burden I put on your back? It's light. You're not responsible for what takes place after you've planted the seed or you've given it water. But only God, somebody say only. Only God who gives the growth. That's his word. If I'm burned out and losing heart, then I've picked up too much or I'm trying to control too many things that I'm not supposed to be in control of. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. What's he want us to do? Trust in the season. Trust in the word of the Lord. Trust in his verse that says God will not be mocked. He's not going to be mocked. You can sow and sow and sow. And if God's word says it, it will come to pass in due season. That's, that's not, doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like when everybody got quiet a few minutes ago, that can be a really good thing. That's the encouragement. I'm going to continue to sow God's word and good things are going to happen. I can guarantee it because God promised it. That should be refreshing to us. We can trust that God will do what he says he will do. How do I use my backpack? For seed and water, that's it. Seed and water, and then rest in faith. Faith is not necessarily seeing, right? Number two, who do I use my backpack for? And I'll try and go through these real quick. Paul gives us this list. There's three people that he mentions in this list in these verses. The first thing that he mentions is teachers. Verse 6, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. He's in the context of sowing and reaping. And so what he's saying, if you have a teacher in your life that teaches you God's word, that you're supposed to sow into their lives. Now, there's probably many a pastors that would just directly go towards this aspect of supporting somebody financially. And if you look at Paul's verses as a whole in all of his letters, there's absolute truth to the fact that, God, that Paul was trying to establish a financial system for those who taught the word to be able to spend time in the word and to be able to teach it to others so that they would be financially supported by the people that they taught, Right? But what I want to focus on this morning is the aspect of sharing in all good things. Somebody say all. In the context of sowing and reaping, we have to understand 
Spiritual growth is the premise of these chapters. God wants us to grow spiritually. It's the most important aspect of the Christian life. There is nothing more important in your life than growing spiritually. Nothing more important in your life than growing in relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have somebody that feeds you spiritually, and that somebody isn't necessarily just a pastor. It can be a pastor, but I want you to hear this. It might be a Sunday school teacher in your life. It might be a small group leader in your life. It might be an elder. It might be a mentor. It might be a friend. It's anybody who teaches you God's word. You share in all things with the people who sow into your life. You become a part, when you do that, you become a part of your own growth. You're responsible for your own growth. If you start sowing into somebody else who helps bring growth into your life, guess what happens? They'll continue to help bring growth into your life. But I love the King James Version. It says this, communicate in all good things. The word that he uses is communicate. You know, it can be financially. It can be materially that you share in all good things. It can be helping to serve. But, you know, it, it can be no-bake cookies, but when it comes to the challenges of ministry, one of the greatest ways to sow is to share the good things that God is doing in your life. What have you been learning? What are you growing in? How has it helped you? How has it helped you change? How has it helped you grow? You begin to share in all good things that God is doing with that person who teaches you God's word. Why? so that they can see the fruit of the seed that they have been planting. So you sow seed to those who teach you. The second thing he says is to everybody in verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to some people. Let us do good to my family. Let us do good to those people who love us the most. Let us do good to those who make us feel good about ourselves. Let us do good to the people that we're comfortable with in our own circles of influence. Let us do good to the people that, you know, are, are friends. Let us do good to those people that we work with. Only the people that we really are comfortable with. Is that, is that what it's saying? No, it says let us do good to all what he's talking about is he definitely is clarifying that it's people outside of our comfort zone. Now, yes, it might be an acquaintance at work. Yes, it might even be a stranger at the grocery store. It might be an addict in the street. But I want to challenge you even more than that today. Does all, everybody say all, include people of different faiths? No faith, political beliefs, does it include people that are different than you? One of the things that I've been challenged about probably uh, quite a bit over the last few months is God keeps putting uh, the transgender topic in everybody's face, but it's in everybody's face, but God keeps putting it in my face. There's this YouTube page, it's I think called Delay. Testimonies, delay, delay. 
however you want to pronounce it. You can look it up on YouTube. They travel around, and they have one purpose since 2020 is to get the testimony of people from all over the world about what Jesus Christ has done in their lives. And there's a couple testimonies that I've watched, and I just click randomly on videos sometimes, and it's about, it'll inevitably be about the topic that drives me the craziest right now. And one of them was about a girl that was becoming a guy, and she was living with another girl, and so she wanted to become a guy, and then she was befriended by somebody that she works with. That somebody that she worked with invited her to church. And so she started going to church with her friend from work. And then eventually her that was becoming a him broke up with the her and kept going to church. And God's word, who knows if people even knew. But God's word began to get planted inside of her heart. And God will not be mocked. And her testimony is that eventually she realized that she was who she was born to be. That she wasn't meant to become a man, but that she would remain a woman. And she kept going. And eventually her desires began to change. And she began to have an attraction to men. And so her testimony continues on. And then it really made me think, how do we treat people who are different than us? I can't think like that. My mind can't go there. I can at times, because it's thrown in our face by the world, by Satan, look at that in disdain and have a harshness towards it. But you see the fruit of people, and there's more than just that testimony on that site specifically to that topic that have been changed because God's word simply was deposited inside of them. It was sown, and it was watered, and it was sown, and it was watered, and they didn't grow weary, and they didn't lose heart, and they continued, and you see somebody's life rescued from the mire, and they're now glorifying Jesus. What a greater testimony could we ask for than one of the worst topics that we've ever had to deal with in our country today? Maybe the greatest challenge is the people that you would view as your enemy. Somebody posted this quote a couple of weeks ago, and I, I kind of revamped it for clarity's sake, but Christianity is growing in your love for Jesus. Christianity really is growing in your love for Jesus. But the test of Christianity is growing in your love for Judas. Just think, when it comes to Judas betraying Jesus, Jesus still did ministry with him. Jesus still ministered to him. Jesus still invited him to celebrate a feast, a holiday, together with all of them. Jesus still took the lowly position to wash his feet. He still helped serve the meal to him that night. He ate dinner with him. He broke bread with him. The question is, how do you treat your Judas?
to all. How do you treat your Judas? The third group that we use our backpack for is the faith family. The same verse, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially. Now listen, that's not to neglect the all, but especially each other. Look around the room. If there should ever be a priority to who you minister to, look around the room. Who should be at the top of your list? Look around the room. Some of y'all are afraid to look around the room. It's because you don't even know who's around the room. But they're the number one person that you are supposed to reach out to and minister to. Why? Listen, we all know the, the phrase Jesus said, the world will know you by your love for one another. They will see the love in how you treat each other. They will see the love in how you speak to one another. They will see the love in how you help one another. They will see the love in how you sow seed to one another. You know, God convicted me of this a few years ago because sometimes it's easier to help people that you don't even know, right? It's, it's less messy to help the stranger on the street than to get involved in the mess of the stranger or the person that you know and you know the reasons or you think you know why they're in the mess they're in and you know the seed that they've been sowing and you know all of those things about them. It's a lot easier to minister to the stranger on the street than it is the person that's sitting across from you in the church. It's easier to help the all category at times. But what will bring the greatest growth in your life? What will bring the greatest growth in the other person's life in this church? Is that when you stick through it, stick with it, despite knowing those things, then you will grow more than you would throwing $20 at a stranger on the street. The greatest growth comes from learning to minister to each other as a priority, especially the household of faith. And guess what that does? That's also the way the unsaved world comes into the church when they see us doing good to each other. I want to close with this. The fourth thing, that, fourth thing we're supposed to sow into, but the primary thing, is going back a few verses to verse 8. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. When it comes to sowing, sowing seed, watering, if you're focusing on sowing to the Spirit, then that allows you to sow in all those other places. I'm sowing my thought life toward things that are right with God and not in the gutter. I'm sowing my time by learning what it means to spend time with Jesus. I'm sowing my finances in supporting his kingdom, his work. I'm sowing my efforts into being used by God to fulfill what he's called me to do with my backpack. 
If you focus on sowing to the Spirit, all the other sowing that you should be doing will happen. And in that, you reap life. Because when you sow a seed, right, you'll reap, and you're going to reap life. But guess what? It's not just life. Like when you sow a seed, you always reap something greater than the seed that was sown. Right? I sow a a seed, a grain of wheat, and what pops up? The fruit of that wheat with several seeds. I sow an orange and it pops up a tree with tons of oranges. I will always reap something greater than what I have sown. That's the abundant life. If you are sowing where God has called you to sow, who he has called you to sow to, and how he has called you to sow. And then finally, ultimately, when you have sown your final seed, which is your life, you will reap everlasting life. Reaping the greatest reward all starts with the seed that is inside your backpack the day you gave your life to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. So many things that were brought out, you know where each one of our hearts are. Maybe it's just the aspect of where we've been sowing, to the flesh or to the spirit. But beyond that, to understand that you will not be mocked on either side. Though if we're sowing to the, to the flesh, Lord, we will begin to sow our thoughts, our time, our effort, everything we can into the, your spirit. And that, Lord, as we begin to sow from those things that you have put in our backpack. Lord, I pray right now, if there's people here today that would say, you know what, I've grown, weary, I've grown weary of that. Like, maybe I've even lost heart at times. Like, I don't really want to do that sort of thing anymore. That's the same mockery to not believe that you will not bring that seed to fruition. Lord, help us stand on the truth of your word today. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to walk out what it is that you've called us to do. Help us to know the what, the how, and the who. Lord, I'm thankful that your seed will not go void. Transform us. Speak to our hearts today. Let us be challenged. And through that challenge, let us grow into your glory. 